You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Judges chapter 7 in your Bibles, please. And uh, this is not uh, a message that we've, uh, we've been going through, some of the miracles and parables and life of Christ, but it's a message the Lord laid on my heart uh, a while back, and I think I probably uh, chose to preach it tonight for a couple reasons. One, uh, we are, in, in really in my opinion now, we're kind of launching into the summer. We just finished the school year. We finished master clubs. I know there's still a few schools that are, are finishing up, but uh, we're getting ready to launch into summer. And you know, for our church this summer, uh, it is my desire that at the end of the summer, we can look back and say that we did, not, we did not digress spiritually, but we made progress spiritually. You know, I want to be closer to God in August and September than I am right now in May. Uh, I don't want to come to August and September, and then I feel like, oh, I forgot about church, and I forgot about Bible reading, I forgot about prayer, I forgot about ministry. But you know, it's easy to do, is it not? Sometimes in the summer months, we can kind of put it in cruise control. And uh, I hope you will take vacation. Uh, I'll, I'll be gone next Sunday, and uh, I'll, I'll miss so much. I'll miss you. Uh, I'll miss uh, being here. Uh, but you need to take vacation. And, but, but don't take the whole summer off from church. Uh, don't take the whole summer off from ministry. Don't take the whole summer off uh, from God and from the things that God has for you and for your family. Uh, you know, the devil's going to be fighting extra hard this summer. I'll promise you that. Uh, the devil has not waited till the summer to fight. He is already fighting. Uh, he's going to try to fight your marriage. He's going to try to fight your home. He's going to try to fight your children. And uh, keep your children in church and keep them in the Bible and, and have family devotions and, and, uh, and love each other and love the Lord and pray for one another. Uh, that's one reason I uh, chose uh, this text and this message for tonight. I think another reason is because uh, it is my desire in our church it is my desire for God to do something that only he can do. There's a lot of churches out there, a lot of ministries out there, and I think there's a lot of good churches, well-meaning people. I think there's a lot of good pastors out there. But sometimes if we're not careful, we will all fall into the trap of thinking, what can we accomplish? What can we do? Uh, how can we organize and how can we strategize and how can we plan and, and how can we make a ministry work? But sometimes I think we focus on what we can do rather than focusing on what God wants to do through us. And this passage in the book of Judges is a passage where the children of Israel were faced with an army, uh, an enemy army, the Midianites, the Midianites had 135,000 soldiers. That may not sound like a lot when you think about uh, military today and armies today, but it was a lot because the nation of Israel called everybody together and they said, we've got to get an army to fight against Midian. And the Bible says they got together 32,000 soldiers. Now those are not good odds. That's about four to one. 135,000 against 32,000. And God called Gideon to be the leader of that army. And now they, they counted them up and they said, we got 32,000. And God said, that's too many. I would have checked my ears. 
I said, I know God doesn't make a mistake, but my hearing goes bad sometimes. Maybe I wasn't paying attention. Maybe I didn't hear him right. Uh, God, did you say that's too many? God said, it's too many. He said, I want you to send everybody home that doesn't want to be here. <laughs> and they narrowed it down to 10,000. And Gideon is thinking, if 32,000 was too many, whew, I hope and pray 10,000 is not too many. But God told Gideon, he said, Gideon, you've got too many. And you say, how was that too many? Because God said, if you win, you might take the credit. He said, if you beat the Midianites, you might, the Bible word is, vaunt yourself. You may become proud. You may think that you did it. You may think it was your experience or your strength or your skill. And God said, 10,000 is too many. And so then God told Gideon, have them go down by the stream and, and depending on how they drink water. Now, I'll be honest with you here. I've heard, I've heard preachers preach about how, you know, one group was vigilant, and I think that's a, a good explanation. I've heard some say the ones that uh, were not on guard, they were the ones that God sent home, and maybe so. But here's what I know. God was looking for a way to narrow it down because 10,000 was too many. And so there were 9,000. 700 that drank the water a certain way and there were 300 that did it a different way and God said, that's the group I want. And I think Gideon was thinking, you mean the 9,700, right? God said, no, not that group. I want the 300. Now we're down to 300 and these 300 are facing an enemy of 135,000. By the way, it's interesting, the Midianite army is described as 135,000 and camels without number. Now, I don't know if those camels were attack camels or I don't know what it was. I think it's, I think it's saying they pretty much had all the resources. They had all the support. They had everything they needed. They had all their supplies. They were ready for battle. And it's 300 against 135,000. Now, we got problems here. Because 300 is not very many. We got another problem. God chose Gideon, who didn't have any experience. As a matter of fact, when God called Gideon, Gideon said, God, you've got the wrong guy. My, my father's house, we are the least in Israel. And he said, I am the least of all my father's house. And Gideon admitted, he said, Lord, I am afraid. And God said, Gideon, you don't have to worry about anything. I got it all under control. We get to Judges chapter 7 and verse number 19. The Bible says, So Gideon and the hundred men that were with him, there were three groups of hundreds. One of the groups of hundreds was with him. The hundred men that were with him came unto the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch at night. And they had but newly set the watch and they blew the trumpets and break the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and break the pitchers and held the lamps in their hands and the trumpets in their right hands to blow with all. And they cried the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they stood every man in his place round about the camp and all the host ran and cried and fled. Our Father, I pray you'd speak to us these few moments. 
I pray that you would challenge our hearts from your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me give you four thoughts quickly. The first three, I'll just basically mention them and uh, we'll move on. Number one, what does it take for God to use us for a great victory? Well, we know it doesn't take great numbers. We know it doesn't take great ability. It doesn't take great skill. But here's what it takes. Number one, it takes the Spirit of God. Would you notice in Judges chapter 6 and verse number 34, it says, but the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he blew a trumpet and Abiezer was gathered after him. We see in Judges 6, before Gideon ever went out, the Spirit of God, the power of God, the anointing of God came upon Gideon. And the Bible says when that happened, he blew a trumpet. Now, I don't think it's any wonder that Gideon instructed those men, those 300 men, to blow trumpets when the battle was going because that was, I believe, a sign. That was a picture that here were 300 men that also had the Spirit of God. You know what Victory Baptist Church needs? Victory Baptist Church needs some men and some women that have the touch of the Holy Spirit of God in their lives. You know, we need some Sunday school teachers that have the Spirit of God. We need some master club teachers. We need some bus workers. We need some choir members. We need some nursery workers. We need some Christian school uh, teachers. We need some ushers and greeters. And we need some members. We need some prayer warriors. We need some folks that have the power of the Holy Spirit of God. You see, Gideon was fearful before. But after having the Spirit of God, can I tell you, he was enabled to do something that he could not do on his own. Second Timothy, the Bible says, God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but he's given us the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. How can we see God use us to do something great? Number one, the spirit of God. Number two, I believe God uses people through suffering. You say, Pastor, what in the world are you talking about? Well, the nation of Israel was suffering. The nation of Israel was oppressed by the Midianites. But then we get to Judges chapter 7 and Gideon told the army, he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to blow a trumpet. I want you to break a pitcher. And I want you to shine a light. But here's what happened. That pitcher, that clay vessel was covering the light. So the light was not visible to the Midianites in the middle of the night. That light was not visible until that pitcher, until that covering was broken. Now I talked about it this morning. I talked about how God uses broken things. But here's what's so amazing is those men, those 300 men, they all had a light. They all had a lamp. They all had a, a flame. They all had a candle there. But that light was not visible until the pitcher was broken. You know what I've found in my life? I've found many times that my life has to be broken before Christ can be seen in me. Sometimes it takes suffering. Sometimes it takes trials. Sometimes it takes adversity. Sometimes it takes brokenness before God can use me in a way where he can be glorified. Because until our lives are broken, sometimes we act like we've got it together, don't we? Don't leave me up here hanging like that. Don't make me feel like I'm the only one. I hope I'm not the only one. 
But, but has that ever happened in your life? Have you ever started to feel? And, and maybe it's just because things were going good. But friend, if things are going good in your life, to God be the glory. It's all because of Him. But when things are not going well, sometimes when brokenness comes and when tragedy comes or, or difficulty or suffering or sickness, can I tell you, it's in those times that we learn to trust God. It's in those times we learn to rest in Him. And it is through our suffering, through our weakness, that God is glorified. As a matter of fact, God told the Apostle Paul that God's strength would be made perfect through Paul's weakness. Now, we'd like to be strong and we'd like for God to be strong also, but that's not how God works. God's strength shines through our brokenness. And those lights could not shine until those pictures were broken. I believe a picture, an illustration of our lives that are often broken so that God can be glorified in us. Matthew 5, 16, you know the verse. This was our theme verse several years ago for our church. Help me with it if you know the verse. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. But sometimes that light is not shining because we think we've got it all together. But when our lives are broken, that's when people can see and witness the grace of God that is at work in us and through us. Number one, I see it took the spirit of God, the power of God upon Gideon and these men. Number two, I see the picture of suffering with those pitchers being broken. Gideon had been broken. His people had been broken. That army was broken. When you go from 32,000 to 300, I'd say you're pretty broken. I'd say you're pretty weak and you're pretty vulnerable. And all of that had to take place so that God could be glorified. Number three, I see what did it take for this great victory. I see number three, it took the scriptures. The word of God. Notice with me in verse number 18, Gideon had instructed the men. He said, when I blow with the trumpet, I and all that are with me, then blow ye the trumpets also on every side of all the camp and say... The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. You know what the sword is? The sword in Ephesians, we find it's the word of God. In Revelation 19, we see that the word of God comes out of the mouth of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says it's like a sharp two-edged sword. And it is the word of God that destroys. It is the word of God that conquers. It is the word of God that has power. Hebrews tells us the word of God is quick and powerful and it is sharper than any two-edged sword. Friend, if we're going to see God do something great in our lives, it's going to have to come from God's people getting back to the word of God. I know we talk about the children and they memorize scripture. Praise God. They memorize the books of the Bible. They memorize the Romans road. But I'd like to challenge every adult in here. You ought to know the books of the Bible. You ought to know the Bible stories. You ought to memorize some scripture. You ought to know the Romans road because that's where the power is. The power is not in our church philosophy. The power is not in our church's uh, goal or our vision or our, our, our mission statement. The, the power is in the word of God and only in the word of God. The people followed the word of God. Gideon was faithful to relay the message that God had given him. He gave it to the people. And I'll be honest with you. 
If I had been in Gideon's shoes, I might have been tempted to change it a little bit because it didn't make sense. Gideon said, all right, guys, we got 300 of us. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go out in the middle of the night. We're going to surround the Midianites and we're going to blow trumpets. Now, friend, if you come to my house in the middle of the night and you blow a trumpet, I'm not going to be a happy camper. And you start breaking stuff out in my front yard and you start shining lights and you start yelling. That's not going to make me happy, right? It's not going to make you happy either. And Gideon says, oh, by the way, that's, that's our battle plan. That's our strategy. That's how we're going to defeat a trained army of 135,000. But it wasn't Gideon's idea. It was God's idea. I want to tell you, you follow God's plan and you follow God's word and you do it God's way. It doesn't have to make sense. You just do it. You just obey. God promises success comes from the word of God. Prosperity comes from the word of God. And I'm not talking about a prosperity gospel where you go to church and you're going to have a million dollars drop out of the sky. That's a bunch of nonsense. I'm talking about where you can have joy and peace and satisfaction and you can have a purpose for living and you can have the blessing of God because you do it God's way. Number one, I see the spirit of God. Number two, the suffering. Number three, the scriptures. Number four, I see it took 300 men that were willing to stand. Now that may sound simple, but I want you to look in verse number 21. They did all this. They blew the trumpets, they broke the pitchers, they shined their lights, and they shouted, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And then it was time to stand. I think I may have looked for a place to hide. I think I might have been looking for the nearest exit. Like, what happens if these guys are not amused? What happens if these enemy soldiers come looking for us? I mean, it's not like we're hiding anymore. We have just announced to the world where we are and we all got a light. They could find us easy. The Bible says they stood. But not only did they stand, notice what it says in verse 21. They stood every man. Would you read those next three words with me? In his place. That's tough. Because you know what we like to do? We like to stand in somebody else's place. We say, well, I'll tell you what those master club workers need to do. I'll tell you what those teen workers, I'll tell you what those children's church workers, I'll tell you what those choir members, I'll tell you what so-and-so needs to do. But I'll tell you what we need to do. We need to find the place that God has for us. Be faithful and stand and don't run. And don't hide and don't quit every time things get difficult, but to commit ourselves to being faithful. They stood every man in his place. God had a place for Gideon. God had a place for Fura. I didn't have time to talk about Fura, but what a great example of a man who was in the background. But yet Gideon took Fura with him to go and to spy out the Midianite camp. And God even said, if you're fearful, take Fura, thy servant. And you know what Gideon did? He took Fura. He said, God, you got that right. I'm terrified. I'm not going by myself. And we don't know a whole lot about Fura, but I'm glad for some Furas. 
I'm glad for some people that are willing to say, I'll go with, I'll stand beside, I'll help somebody, I'll encourage somebody, I'll be there. God had a place for Gideon, God had a place for Fura, God had a place for those 300 men. And I want to tell you tonight, at Victory Baptist Church, God has a place for you. God has something for you to do. God has a ministry. God has a, a spot. God has something that you can do. I think about, and I, I just, I wrote down just one, one person tonight. We could talk about a lot of people. I was thinking about Brother Nathan. And most of you, you see Brother Nathan and you see what he does leading the choir and you see what he does leading the music and for the teens, you see what he does with our teens. But can I tell you, the majority of what Nathan Johnson does in this ministry, nobody ever sees. Nobody recognizes that. It's a lot of work. I don't want to rob him of any crowns, but I'll tell you this, I come to the church early on Sunday mornings, and I'll tell you who's the, who the first person is here on Sunday mornings, it's Nathan Johnson. I come afternoon sometimes I'll be here a lot of the afternoon and I'll tell you the first person to come in the afternoon and can I tell you for brother Nathan and Miss Grace I thank the Lord for them we're so blessed to have them I hope this is the place where God will keep them for a lifetime but I don't know that and, and you don't know we're, we're all uh, we're all in God's hands and we want God to lead but I'll tell you this brother Nathan Johnson has demonstrated a person who is in his place. We could talk about our church secretary, Miss Odell, who is faithful in her place. We could talk about Brother Dan and Miss Kelly and the work they do in our school. And you see the good things. You see the exciting things. You don't see the things that they deal with on a daily basis that are difficult. I think about Brother Chris Jones who every Friday preaches in the jail. You know, it's amazing. Not a lot of people are signing up for that ministry. But that's one of the ministries where more people get saved than about any other ministry in our church. I think about the bus ministry. Brother Chris heads that up and the workers with the bus ministry. You know, we've never had to send workers away and say, we got too many this Sunday. Hey, thanks, but listen, we're going to have to get you on a rotation here. But can I tell you, these, these staff members that God has given us, they have found their place. I think about these master club workers. Brother Charles, thank you for having them all up here. And Brother Curry, Miss Alice, thank you for having all these workers up here. You know, every one of these workers, they found their place. I think about nursery workers that you never see and I never see, but every service, they're in their place. I'll close with this, this thought, this illustration. Did you know in the book of Isaiah, we find there was someone who was in their place by the throne of God. His name, Lucifer. But he wasn't happy with his place, was he? Because you know what? He looked over and he saw God and he said, I'd like to be in that place. I'd like to ascend up to his throne. I'd like to be like God. And not only did Lucifer not take that place, but God removed him from his place. God kicked him out of heaven. 
Now, if you've been zoning out on me, please don't come in at the wrong time and think that I'm saying that God's going to kick you out of heaven because you didn't stay in your place in the nursery. That's not at all what I'm saying. But here's what I am saying. God's got a place for us. God's got a place. And may God help us to be faithful. Oh, by the way, when 300 people stand in their place and stay faithful, guess what God does? He takes his place on the battlefield and he wins battles that we can't take the credit for, we can't explain, we can't understand. We just have to stand back and say, wow, look at what God did. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.